0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello, welcome to session 150 of Selling the Couch. I don't know what my voice just did, but truth be told, I never actually expected to get to 150 episodes of this podcast. I remember early on, some folks would uh, tell me, and I know they they meant well, but they were like, how are you going to keep going with these episodes? There's only so much you can talk about in the world of private practice and marketing. And to be honest, I was scared of that as well. But I think as I've done more of these episodes, it's been neat to see and explore sort of the nuances and different things. And I think before I get to anything else in today's episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you so much for tuning in every week, for sharing this podcast with our colleagues. As I record this, uh, the podcast is actually quickly heading to a half a million downloads, which is just crazy. Yeah, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm I'm just so grateful to be able to do this for you guys and to and to create something that hopefully helps our field and helps us on our private practice journey. So, what I've been trying to do more recently is once a month usually I'll try to do a solo episode just to do more teaching and a big reason I like to do this is one, I just i realize I love teaching, and two, I feel like as s t c grows and as I grow professionally and in my career, there's just a lot of stuff that that I'm learning and that I make mistakes on and I figure out and and then kind of circle back to and I think with s t c one of the, one of the most important things for me. Has been to always share transparently about what I'm learning. I received a couple of emails more recently about asking about how to build and grow an online community, particularly on Facebook. And I've been wanting to do an episode like this for a long time. And I just thought those two emails were kind of the last push forward. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and well, I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest, and honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with, and Dave. When uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement, investing, and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very hard centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The 7 Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So today's episode is is a solo episode and it's all about some of the things that I've learned in building an online community, actually two of them, and starting them from the ground up and just building them and growing them and sort of the day-to-day aspects of managing a community. I wanted to create this episode because I know that a lot of you guys are thinking about creating a Facebook group some kind of online community. And I'm going to just make the assumption just for the sake of this episode that this community will be on Facebook. But I know that a lot of you guys are thinking about that. And I'm just more than happy to share what I've learned. So just to give you a little bit of a background, when I first started this podcast back in March of 2015, I started a online Facebook group that became known as the SDC community. The folks of that community are known as Couchies and all of these different fun things that have happened. But that community, actually, when I first started... I just thought, you know what, we're creating this podcast, and I know that a lot of private practitioners are isolated, and I know that as we have this podcast, I don't want this just to be that I do these interviews or that I teach. I it to create a community, a gathering place where we can share and reflect on things that we're learning to support one another on our private practice journeys, So the STC Facebook community literally started, I I think it was either 53 or 54. What I did was I reached out to 53 or 54 of my friends from grad school, internship, practicums, postdoc, and I just said, hey guys, I'm creating this podcast and wanted to create this community. I was wondering if you'd like to join it. And truth be told, I wanted like, I think I got very fortunate because I didn't realize that community, I think I partly knew community is important, but I don't think I fully realized the breadth that an online community can provide. So yeah, I think I just wanted to fully say that I think part of this was just pure luck. And I don't think it was something that I sort of intentionally did. Um, I think I just got very fortunate with some of this stuff. So since then, the Facebook community has really grown if you're a uh, part of the community. Uh, it's now, actually, let me just check real quick, but it is over 7,000 members now since March of 2015, which is just crazy to imagine that it's grown at this rate. And let me actually see, it's at 7,732 members as I record this. And typically we average, we add around, it depends, but somewhere around 60 to about 90 members a week into the community. And it wasn't always that easy. And in fact, what I realized is once a community has to reach a certain sort of threshold point for it to have that kind of exponential growth. But what I wanted to, anything I wanted to do today was just share five of the key lessons that I've learned in creating this online community. I also have a second online community for my Healthcasters course. And I've been able to grow that from just myself to now over 150 members as I record this. And that's a community that's included with folks who purchased the Healthcasters podcasting course. So definitely I've learned a lot of stuff, I think mainly what not to do. One of the challenges of recording a, an episode like this is how do you take all of this knowledge that you've learned in these past years and how do you put this into a 25-minute podcast episode? It's impossible. So what I instead decided to do was I just asked myself a simple question. If I could have a conversation with the Melvin of February 2015, what are the five big pieces of advice that I would give him? And so I just wanted to share that with you guys. So number one is, actually, let me do this. Let me go through the five and then we'll kind of go deep into those just so that you can jot them down. So number one is have a great screening process Number two is co-create weekly threads with your community. Three is wisely select admins. Number four is don't keep your tribe on real estate that someone else owns. And number five is yield or use your power and influence wisely. So let's get to number one, which is have a great screening process. Now, one of the cool things with Facebook is that A lot of people are on Facebook. I was recently read some stat that basically one out of four websites that are visited in the United States is Facebook, which is pretty crazy. And so there's a lot of folks on Facebook. Now, that doesn't mean that every one of these folks are going to be a part of your community, which is why you need to have a great screening process. There's just a a couple of practical things I wanted to share with you, which is... When you create a Facebook group, there's a section on the side called description. And so use that description section to mention exactly who your Facebook group is for and who it's not for. So with STC, what I say is, welcome to the STC community. We're known as Couchies. This is a group for aspiring and current mental health private practitioners. So as you notice, I didn't say health providers, I didn't say all mental health providers, I actually niched it down. And this is something that I've sort of learned is that if you really niche down, you may not, depending on sort of the niche that you focus on, you may not get huge numbers. But what you get are quality folks, right? Folks that are are truly interested in learning. So for example, let's say that you are starting, you know, you want to do something on chronic illness, for example. So you don't want to maybe create a group for everyone that's interested in health, but maybe what you want to do is create a group that, you know, for someone that struggles with a specific type of chronic illness or just chronic illness in general. So then the second thing is, in terms of screening you want to have really clear expectations and rules around the disclosing of clinical information, around promotional stuff, around affiliates, which are basically where people can share a link that a company provides them. And and when somebody clicks on that link, they get compensated for uh, in terms of either income or like free months or something like that. So you want to have really clear expectations, particularly around affiliates. With STC, I do not allow affiliate links. Occasionally, we do. You know, sometimes folks will post them, we just don't catch them. But generally, we don't allow affiliate links. And the main reason is because with that many members, you know, for me, I didn't feel right to allow affiliate links when there's that many members into a community. And unfortunately, there's this practice now online where some folks are coming into communities just to post affiliate links just to make some quick income. And I just wanted to, didn't allow affiliate links because I was trying to deter those folks as well. So, one of the cool things about Facebook now is that if you create a Facebook group and someone requests to join it, you can actually type up to three questions or prompts for that person to answer before they actually uh, join the community so this is a really really awesome feature because used to what used to happen was we used to link out to like google or something like that but now it's built right into facebook so the big screening things that i do are and then again this sort of depends on your community and what you're trying to do but the i asked three basic questions Well, two basic questions and then a third invitation. So the first question is, I ask them for their first and last name and then their degree. The second question that we ask right now is, please provide a link to verify your professional status in the field. The third invitation is basically, I say, you know, finally, please feel free to sign up for the STC newsletter. And I share a link and I tell them exactly what the newsletter is about and what folks get it when they receive So. Uh, We'll get more into whether you should have people opt into an email newsletter or not later, but uh, that's just something that we do right now. So the first question is meant to, because some people use a different name on Facebook, as their name just for privacy and stuff like that than their real name. So I need some way to figure out if these are actually like legit people versus spam accounts. The second one is I need to be able to verify they're actually in the mental health field. This is becoming more of a concern on Facebook and it will definitely become more of a concern as your Facebook community grows. And that's that people spam accounts will try to access Facebook. At this point I think we've banned close to 400 accounts just because like spammers are constantly trying to access the community. And so we actually had a situation a couple of years ago. We do a pretty good screening process, but this was actually before these questions were there, where somebody came into the community and they posted like, some adult material, like adult videos, and I was like mortified. And so I fortunately happened to be there really quick. So delete it and then just remove that person. But that screening process helps at least prevent much of that stuff from coming through. The first tip again is have a great screening process. Number two is co-create weekly threads with your community. And Initially, I'm a big fan. And this is why I think I love communities, which is you get to create something like even though each of you listening, you are like the creator of the community. The members are really the stars of that community. And one of the things I love about these online communities is you get to create something that's together and what i do is when i'm thinking about weekly threads these weekly threads should basically address common struggles or common pain points of community members so for example with stc we have regular threads for if you want to promote a blog post or stuff that you're working on if you want to get feedback on an online profile if you are stuck on your website and you need feedback on that we have a thread for that if for example and then we also have like if you you want to increase your social media followers so you can post whatever social media you have. And with Healthcasters, we do a little bit different. So Healthcasters is a community for health, wellness, and fitness podcasters. So what I'm really thinking about is what are the biggest struggles that podcasters have? And so we have threads, for example, to, to exchange interviews. Um, if you need a rating or review of your podcast, if you want to share your most recent thread so that other community members can share it with their audience so it helps your podcast grow, those kind of things. So all this to say, think about what I would literally do is take a sheet of paper out and think about the online community you're thinking about and write down the most common kind of struggles and then with community members especially the ones that join early one of the nice things about having a smaller community initially is you can get feedback on this stuff relatively easily right so ask them you know hey guys i was thinking about creating this thread, this thread, this thread, would this be helpful for you? Or you can even take a step back and say, hey guys, I want to make sure that our community is just so helpful for you. What things are you struggling with when it comes to blank? And the blank would be whatever topic your community is going to be about. Number three is wisely select admins. This is something that I didn't fully anticipate. In fact, for almost the first year, actually over the first year, uh, more than the first year with STC, I was the only person that managed everything. And it was good because I think it gave me a chance to be able to connect with people to really understand how a community is run. And in a weird way, I think it really helped kind of develop my leadership skills. Because I don't know, there's nothing like trial by fire through some of this stuff, right? So, but about a year and a half in, what I realized is the community is growing too quickly. And I was getting burnt out, to be honest, because sometimes it felt like managing this STC, like I I loved it, but it was also getting really stressful. I would be really tempted to kind of log in and just make sure nothing was going on, all of those things. And I just realized like I was not going to maintain this space. So a couple of things related to that, set really firm boundaries on terms of your own schedule. Like for example, I would not have Facebook as an app if you're a a group moderator on your smartphone, just because I think the temptation is too much. Instead, what I now do is I only log in when I'm near my laptop and then I actually have set periods periods in the day, uh, by and large, where I log into the community. And if I'm there, I'm there and fully present. And if I'm not, I'm not in the community. And more recently, what I've done is I actually don't log in, unless it's something, it's very rare, but I usually do not log in on weekends, because that's time for friends and family and yeah, spend time and just rest and all of those things. So went off on a little bit of a tangent but I think all of this relates to this idea of selecting admins so be really patient in selecting admins my biggest tip to you is observe 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 with STC one of the biggest things is that I look for character I'm looking for people that have strong character and for folks who have the ability who naturally have just a, a calm disposition but they have the ability to stay centered when in trying situations. And I usually do this by observing how they interact in other threads in the community. I look to see like how active they are in the community. I sometimes will ask other colleagues that I trust, sort of their impressions of them, all of those different things. So I'm trying to always gather data because For me, honestly, like giving up control and we now have six admins in the STC community as I record this, Uh, they're wonderful people, but it was pretty scary for me to give up control and I know of a couple of different communities where there's just like, kind of nightmare stories where they recruited and and got a bunch of admins in there and then the admins realized they had a lot of power and then they started doing things and then the owner of the groups had to come in and kind of figure out how to remove the admin and all that stuff. It just got really murky. So that's why I think trying to be patient and do all of those things. The last thing related to admins is I always believe that admins should be compensated in some way because especially your most loyal folks are happy to give and serve the community but it can definitely be you know challenging of trying to log in and realizing oh there's a promotional post that shouldn't have been there now i have to go and delete it you know or there's a thread that has way too much clinical information where a client could identify themselves now they have to go delete it right so What I do is, and this really depends on what you want to do. So I try to do multiple things. And I think more than anything, I just try to lead from a heart of service and just being gratitude, a heart of gratitude. With my admins, I give them complimentary access to the STC directory. I also give them, you know, just kind of surprise gifts. So like more recently over uh, between Thanksgiving and and the new year, I ended up getting them some, I think it was like sort of a, a gift basket that had like chocolate and stuff like that I don't know I I was just so grateful I think especially as a community grows you'll feel very grateful that you have people there that, that are supporting you and all of those different things so number four is don't keep your tribe on real estate that someone else owns now you're probably wondering Mel what in the world you're telling me you know we're talking all about Facebook groups and all of this stuff and now you're saying wait build your tribe on Facebook but Don't really build it on Facebook. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. So I've heard this sort of from multiple sort of online marketing folks. And I didn't fully understand the idea when they said this. And they would often say, always keep your tribe on real estate that you own. And I was like, I don't understand what we are talking about. So but I, I see the wisdom of that. Because, for example, even with a platform like Facebook, right, when I'm recording this right now, Facebook groups are free. But there could be a day where you are charged a premium to own a group, and maybe depending on how many members you have in your group, you're charged a certain premium. So I don't, and if and when that happens, I want to have the option of saying, you know what, I don't know that I want to pay that premium. I think I'd rather just keep my community on real estate that I own. The best way that I know how to do this is to have an email newsletter. So that's the reason I have that third question on my screening process. I say, you know, please feel free to sign up for the newsletter. And I tell them exactly what they'll get in the newsletter, and how often they'll receive it. So typically, what I do is I only release a weekly newsletter. I don't know, this might be a little nerdy, but like sort of one of the, the questions sort of in the online space is, do you make people opt into an email newsletter as a prerequisite of joining your community? Or do you leave it as an option if they want to? So I've seen it both ways. For me, what I did was initially when the community was small, I've always left it as optional. I have never required anyone to join the STC newsletter. Now, that being said, a lot of folks do, you know, will join both the community and the newsletter. I'm just looking at my stats right now. So as I record this, there are 5,968 folks on the STC newsletter. And if you're interested in joining, you can learn that more about that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter. But in the typical week that I send out an email, I typically receive open rates around 50%, which is apparently quite high. So, But I think it speaks to a couple of things. And One is that people who have opted into this newsletter, they're folks who genuinely want to receive this information. Secondly, the email newsletter should not just be like a pitch fest, right? So on the email newsletter, I genuinely try. We think through a lot of times about the content that's on that newsletter, and we genuinely try just to provide more value and more support. So, you know, for example, like I mentioned resources and I mentioned tips and All sorts of things uh, that I hope that can help your private practice journey. So all that to say, if you do do an email newsletter, make sure that it provides value. And the other thing is, I have found that keeping the requirement optional, it leads to less opt-outs. So when I typically send an email newsletter, I've heard, read kind of a little bit of conflicting stuff, but somewhere i read that sometimes up, you know, between 10 and 15% of the people who signed up for your newsletter will opt out of that newsletter for every time that you send an email. And typically for the SDC newsletter, typically I receive around four to six opt-outs every time. And so when we have almost 6,000, subscribers, I will gladly take six of them. So that's like point one percent. Right. And so and that's okay. The first couple of times that happened, I was kind of hurt. I was like, man, this is such a good newsletter. But the reality is sometimes folks just want to clean out their inbox. Sometimes folks have all sorts of reasons for opting out and that's okay. So the number five and the final tip is yield your power and influence wisely. This is has been such a Growth edge for me because, truth be told, I never expected STC or even Healthcasters, I never expected it to grow to the size that it has. I mean, with STC to go from 53, 54 members in March of 2015 to approaching 8,000 less than three years later, it's been, you know, like definitely a, a lot of growth. One of the things that I realized is as your tribe, as your community grows, it's a very humbling process to realize how much power and influence you have over them. So a couple of different things. When Inevitably, as your community grows, you will have disagreements and you will also have people who will violate rules. The vast majority of the time, people just forget and they will violate rules. And what I always try to do is I try as much as possible to just engage them privately, so I send them either a private email or a private message on Facebook. Especially if they're repeatedly violating rules, and I'll just send them a reminder. I'll be like, "Hey, here are the rules and expectations of our community. This is why we have them. You know, we notice that you're doing such, such, and such. Which you might not doing. That it just makes our jobs a lot harder. We're just trying to be fair to everyone. That's and then I kind of just leave it at that. The reason I like to do things privately is because I realize that if I were to do something like this publicly, it might shame or embarrass that person. It's like the therapeutic relationship, right? Like we as clinicians, we realize how much power and we're aware of that power dynamic. And so, in the same way, as the founder of a group, you have more power than each individual member. And so, you want to be wise in terms of how you say things, what you say, and the way by which you say things privately, publicly, those things. Now, related to this, this is probably the biggest growth edge that I have and that I'm still working on because. I'm just happy folks are joining, but there's definitely a part of me where I'm a people pleaser and I want to keep everyone happy and I don't really like conflict and all of those things. But the reality is, as your community grows, there are going to be people who violate rules, sometimes just on purpose, sometimes just to disrupt your community. And then there are also just people who are just mean, who bully other people, who sort of get gratification from that And what you have to do is, as the founder of a group, you have to be the person that protects your tribe. And whether that means reaching out to them, saying, hey, cut it out, all the way to removing them. We've had, I can't remember the exact number of that 400 people that we've banned, but we've definitely banned several colleagues from the STC community, just because I noticed that their pattern of behavior was hurting other people, and it was my responsibility to create a safe place. So just in review, the five things again are have a great screening process, two, co-create weekly threads with your community, three, wisely select admins, four, don't keep your tribe on real estate that someone else owns, and five, yield your power and influence wisely. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and of an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of, your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and especially if you're thinking about creating an online group or if your group hasn't had the growth and hasn't had that cohesion that you were envisioning, I hope that today's episode has been helpful for you. This is not something that I really advertise on the SDC blog. Maybe at some point I will, but I actually do offer a private one on one consultation to build and grow an online group. And if that's something that you're interested in, uh, please reach out to me via email at melvin at com, and I'm happy to kind of walk through and, and see if that option might be a good fit. So, and then one other thing when I know that for many of you guys, you guys are still working to build your Facebook groups. And one of the things that has been really important to me with STC is I want, as the bigger STC gets, I want my success to also lead to your success. And so we actually have a bi-weekly thread that goes live every other Thursday where you can share a link to your Facebook group and That way you guys can grow your groups and all of those different things. Show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one, five, zero. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.